Well, everybody ready for some word? Praise God. If you have a Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out. Got your Bible apps. Open those up. Got your notes, pens, whatever you use. Let's uh, trust God together today for inspiration, utterance, revelation of truth that makes us free. Praise God. Go with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're not familiar with the, with the Scriptures and with the Bible, uh, you, you'll have a, a few minutes here to find that. It'll help, be helpful if you have it. If you don't have it, if, again, if you come without a Bible, use your phone. Everything's there nowadays if you're connected, right? You can access all this stuff. And I began a series uh, last week, new series of messages. I don't think in the service last week I even remembered to give you the title. It worked anyway, I think. But uh, I did have one, just didn't tell you what it was. I guess titles aren't everything. But here's the, here's the new series. It's called Go Big Before You Go Home. And, uh, and so our, our, our goal is, is, is to go big. And, and if you missed last week, of course, make sure and get that message. Uh, go to the website. Go to the uh, different avenues by which you can watch that or listen to it and get caught up. But let's read again. This is where uh, we read from last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. It reads, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is open wide. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Everybody say open. Yeah, open, obviously, the contrast would be closed. And they were apparently closed. And he said, listen, you guys, open up. Yeah? You do realize that you could... We could also be closed inwardly. You might have a nice smile on your face and be very friendly outwardly, but inwardly be closed off, be small, be restricted, be, uh, be the great limiter on, uh, on the potential of life. Amen. You know, like they do sometimes with, uh, with engines. They'll put like a, a governor on there. And uh, this engine can potentially take your vehicle super fast. But someone without a brain put a <laughs> sorry uh, put a restriction on there so you could only go so fast. Yeah. Well, we don't want to have that in our lives. We don't want to have that in our hearts, let alone on our cars, right? <laughs> and all the parents with teenagers said, "No, I don't agree with that." But <laughs> they need severe restrictions. <laughs> Look at this verse now. I'm going to read it from three translations. Uh, the second one is the King James Version. And uh, I want you to notice this language. It, it reads, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. I like that word enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, I realize that's a little bit odd language for us, but, uh, but again, you can see uh, when talking about the heart, and he says the bowels, it's kind of like the, 
the seat of affections in our lives. Um, now ye, now, now ye, ye, now for a recompense in the same, I speak as to unto my children, be ye also enlarged. So that's the, that's the directive. Be open. Another way to say that is be enlarged. So what would be the contrast? To be small. We have the option, and apparently they were small inside. He's saying, listen, you guys, you're restricting your own life. You're limiting what we can, our influence and what we can do and what God can do in your life. You need to be enlarged, all right? And this is our heart as well. Now, now listen to this verse from the Message Bible, or these uh, three verses. Message Bible. Dear, dear Corinthians... I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. In other words, they're not in it. He said, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Powerful. To think that maybe the way we are living our lives is so very restrictive compared to the potential and what God has in mind for us. That we could be very small in a small place, restricted, and we think, that's normal. We think, this is just what my life is, or this is my lot in life. I need to learn how to stay within my little place. Your lane is a lot bigger than you think it is. Your space is much larger than you realize. And I say that to myself. I say that to all of us. God's plans for us are beyond uh, what we've known. That's why we need to be enlarged. Yeah? Amen. In order for us to handle all of the potential of God in our lives, there needs to take, uh, an enlargement needs to take place in our hearts. Amen. We often are very quick to want to change our circumstances. And there's nothing wrong with that. If something on the outside is not going well, of course, I'm all in with that too. I want to change things that are not right. But the biblical precedent or order of things goes this way. We change inside before we change outside. Uh, no matter what you're talking about in life, you, you can see that God works inwardly and that produces a change externally. You, you can see how, how it works that way in relationship to salvation. How many know you don't get saved outwardly first? In fact, that's religious bondage there. That's if you will toe the line and do this, 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 and this, and if you will clean up your act and stop doing this and, and act this way, then you'll be saved. No, you won't. You'll be a failure because you won't succeed. There'll be, it'll be too much. And maybe you'll clean up your life a little bit, but you you'll still won't be saved. How, how, how does God work? This is the, the amazing, in, uh, powerful new covenant. He changes our hearts. And from there, things chip off of our lives that are ungodly. We are, remember what Jesus said? Born again. Peter said, born again of the incorruptible seed of God's Word. 
We're born again. And then what happens? Then we start to think different. Then we start to act different. Are our actions perfect? Is our thinking perfect? No, but our spirit's perfect and that's what starts the process. Amen. He changes us inwardly and then our lives are changed externally. That is true not only concerning the new birth, it, it is true concerning God's plan for your life, His provision in your life. It, it works this way in, in regards to healing. Did you know that's, that's the case? The psalmist said he sent his word and healed them. Not he sent his power and healed them. The Bible says that Jesus went and, and he would, people came to him to hear and to be healed. Why hear and be healed? Why not just be healed? I mean, that's the goal, right? Well, you hear and be healed because when you hear, it changes you inside. So that the outside change can take place. And if it does take place, it can remain. Sometimes when people just get a blessing from God on the outside, they're not able to sustain it. They're not able to keep it. Hmm? Have you ever noticed that sometimes attacks in life or opposition in life comes at you? And you, you may resist and be strong and be, get set free and get victory in that area, and then it comes at you again? I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I mean, am I the only one who's ever been hit more than once? And it's like you get victory. Thank you, Lord. I got this. It's done. Woo-hoo-hoo! And the next week, bam! There it is again. And next week, bam, there it is again. Well, that's very common. And if we get it on the inside, if we grow and are enlarged and strengthened inwardly, then bring it on as many times as it comes. It doesn't really matter. Amen. But if everything we view is just an external blessing or an external issue or problem or whatever it is, uh, and we need to deal with that, I need to deal with people or deal with, no, I need to enlarge inside. I need to be able to handle what's happening. Praise God. You, you remember Jesus even talked this way when he, uh, when he talked about the old wineskins. He said, you can't put new wine in an old wineskin because the old wineskin uh, is going to burst. It's already done. It's stretching, right? It's going to be brittle and it's going to burst. He said, so, so we get a new wineskin for the new wine. And this is God working in us. Hmm? And we are born again, we are made new, we are made into a container that can handle the fullness of God. Yeah, And then you can grow and you can increase and you can expand to handle all that He wants you to handle. Amen. Anybody remember a guy named Solomon? Solomon's pretty popular uh, because he was so wise. He wrote many of the Proverbs and, and uh, Solomon was uh, in the in Israel's history, he was the third king. There was Saul. Then there was David, who replaced Saul because he was a turkey. And, uh, and then there was Solomon, who was the son of David. And, and Solomon had a, you know, quite a person to follow. I mean, David was a great king and was a very godly man and, and led the nation, you know, had some mistakes, but overall ma- ma- led the nation in a right way, in a proper way. And, and Solomon had to follow up. In fact, God had, had the plans for this great temple to build, and it was a mega, mega temple where he would be worshipped and, and so forth. And, and David put that on Solomon and say, you're going to be the one that builds that. He, they got the resources. But Solomon is step, stepping into something huge. It was way bigger than himself. It was. I don't know if you've ever stepped into something. Or maybe the Lord wants you to step into something. And it's way bigger than you are. Meaning your mind struggles to wrap, to, to get, to wrap around it. 
I know at times when the Lord has shown me and, and, and continues to show me things that He wants us to do and wants to use me in regards to reaching people and, and being used in His kingdom, there's times I back off and I say, uh, I don't know. Yikes. I don't think I can handle that. And there, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you are. I think there are probably more people that in that situation um, than even realize it. M- realize it, meaning that God wants to do great things, outstanding things in your life. And some things are being held back from you as far as what He wants you to do because you'll freak out as soon as He tells you. Now, in, in one st- and from one standpoint, it's good to feel insufficient in yourself. To be humble, to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I'm incapable. I mean, to w- in one sense, I would measure a God-ordained vision as it has to be bigger than the person or it probably didn't come from God. I mean, I don't think the Lord is typically asking people to do small things, insignificant, or something you can do with half your uh, brain tied your, behind your back. You know what I'm talking about? I got this. This is easy. No problem at all. Well, maybe you want to up your game then. You know, it's like when, when, when things are happening in church and, and, and maybe you're asked or given an opportunity uh, to get involved in something, you think, yeah, I can do that. No problem. That, won't, that would be a piece of cake. Well, maybe you should up it then. If you can handle it real easy and just without any inconvenience whatsoever, you hardly have to have any faith to accomplish it. No dedication, no commitment. (laughs) It might not be the right thing. You might want to say, okay, I'll do that, but can I do more than that? Because that's not even making me uncomfortable. Well, pastor, I just want to be comfortable. I know I'm here to make you uncomfortable. I mean, I hope the seat's okay and everything. Hope the temperature's all right and, and those matters. But if, as far as if, if we're just, just going to serve God and the goal is just to be okay, the goal is just to be, I want to maintain, hold on until Jesus comes back. And that didn't happen yesterday, so we're, you know. Uh, but we're just trying to survive and just kind of make do. Ah, doesn't that kind of bug you a little bit? That any of us would think that way? Praise God. Everybody okay today? Say, I'm already uncomfortable. Then I'm succeeding. (laughs) Anyway, Solomon had that issue, and so he prayed. And you know some of his prayer, of course, he prayed for wisdom. He he lacked the, the inward capacity to do what God has called him to do. He said, this is too great. I need Help from God. And listen, I really believe the Lord wants us to be in that position. Where we say, I can't. I'm incapable. By myself, I'm not able. Lord, help me. Give me. Enlarge me. Help me to see it so I can be it. Help me to envision and, and, and wrap my mind around what you have for my life. Amen. Again, I want to say this. If that is never your prayer, you're missing something. If never you call out to the Lord and say, this is too big for me. I don't know if I can handle it. Then you're not stepping out enough. You're too comfortable in the boat and it's time to get kicked out. In 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29, it reads, God gave Solomon wisdom 
and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Like the sand on the seashore. What is that? He gave him a big honking heart. Largeness of heart. That's an interesting uh, phrase that we see in multiple places in the scripture that Paul told the Corinthians, be enlarged. He's not telling them to eat more. Like we said, he's telling them inside. You need to be able to handle more, to contain more, so, 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 you, so God can work in your life more. God gave Solomon this massive, changed heart. And he was able to do what God called him to do and lead effectively and powerfully the nation of Israel. He was insufficient in and of himself. But you notice, you think, well, some people are just smart. Some people are, they're born with a higher IQ and, and maybe I'm just not. Well, I don't see that verse as being a reflection of just something Solomon was born with. Apparently, the way he was born was insufficient for the task at hand. And so he had to call on the name of the Lord. And so he had to have a gift from God. And I tell you, if the Lord can enlarge Solomon's heart, he can enlarge yours. Yes. Do you want it? Will, will you commit to going that path, down that road and saying, I'm not going to be small. I'm not going to be a small thinker, a lim have a limited approach to life, but I'm going to open myself up. We read last week from Ephesians uh, chapter 3. And there's a prayer there that Paul prayed. Let me, let me recount one part of that again. Uh, in Ephesians 3, he was praying for them. And in verse 18, he said that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Praying, what? Praying that they would be able. They weren't able. Praying that they would comprehend. They didn't comprehend. They were saved. They're in the kingdom, going to heaven, but they didn't comprehend the magnitude and awesomeness of how deep and wide God really is. And so he's praying that they would get it. Let that be our prayer. Let that be our heart's desire and cry to say, Lord, help me to grasp the magnitude of your love the magnitude of all that you are capable of doing. Let it be real to me. May I not live a small, limited, restricted life any longer. Amen. Amen. And so we are today, you know, what's been working in us for a long time? What ha what's in the external of my life? It's been working in me. What's, what's happening in your life today? It started on the inside. And it has been working on the outside. If it's not pleasant, if it's not what you desire, what you want, again, not focus on the outside, focus in here. I need to grow inwardly so that I can handle all that God wants me to externally. Praise God. Look with me at, at, at Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah, right in the middle of the Bible-ish. Chapter 54. If you're, if you're familiar at all with the book of Isaiah, um, you're, you probably have heard of Isaiah 53. 
Okay, Isaiah 53 is a very famous chapter for Christians, and that's because Isaiah, as a prophet, was allowed to see and then prophesy about Jesus. And he saw Jesus in the Spirit. He saw him taking our disease and sickness and infirmity and everything in himself. It's basically a picture of Jesus going to the cross, but not the outside, the inside, in the Spirit. And so we see that great redemptive chapter. That's where you find by his stripes we are healed and, and all that, that, that good language. The 54th chapter, just do the logic. I mean, really the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse anyway. And so it's just the very next thing. It shows us what life is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Okay? And, and so th then we read 54 verse 1. Sing... Oh, barren. What, no, stop for a moment. Why would a, a barren person sing? I mean, barrenness was, uh, was a curse. Someone wouldn't be happy if they're unproductive. Right? But what is he saying? Well, because of what Jesus did, now's the time to get your song going. Now's the time to sing. There you go. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. What's it not time to do? Mourn. It's not time to be sad. Say, well, I got some sad things going on in my life. I got some. It's time for you to sing, especially loud, with a smile. Maybe pop up and down a little bit. <laughs> Why? That's faith. In what? Chapter 53. If you believe chapter 53, you sing now. If you don't believe what Jesus did for you, it's a sad day because all your problems are here to stay. Amen. But if you do believe what he did for you, now it's time to rejoice. Now it's time to be glad. Oh, sing, O barren, you who have not borne. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, for you have, not, you have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, you might not grasp all of that, but that same verse is quoted in Galatians as applying to us as believers now in the new covenant. Basically, because of everything that took place through Jesus in chapter 53, the curse has been removed, all the bondage is broken, and now we have faith, so we're shouting the victory. But look what else also this includes. You ready? Verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. He is giving us a picture of bigger. Because of Jesus, he broke the curse of smallness, of restriction, of a limited life. And he said, now it's time to stretch out. Now it's time to lengthen your stakes. Think about a tent. We're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to enlarge. This is the wide open, spacious life that Jesus came to give us. How does it work? I must see the space. I must see the vastness of who God is and what he has called me to live in. And so I will come to a place where I do not spare. See that language? Do not spare. Why would someone spare? Well, if I think I've, I'm limited. If I'm going to run out of shampoo, I'm going to spare my usage. Right? Right? 
Just use a little bit. But if I have plenty of shampoo in the whatever, cupboard, wherever you store your shampoo, well, then I'm, I'm less concerned about just using just the bare minimum and just thinking real small. I'm going to get most of my hairs clean, but, you know, <laughs> just use a little bit. Forget that shampoo, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> I don't know if people really do that anyway. Do you really repeat? Do, do, wash your hair twice? Oh, anyway. <laughs> but you, you get the point. When you have a, a limited, small amount, a small supply, then you spare and you think small. You live small. Everything's restricted. What is our vision of God working in us? Do we live our lives that way? Everything's small. I can't. I'm not able. Limitation. Small thinking. Or are we saying, you know what? The curse has been broken. I'm not going to live a small life. I'm not just talking about shampoo, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm talking about in all areas of our life, it would include our finances and, things of, and material things of that nature. But what is God really like? Does he want us to just think small? No. It's time to enlarge. And I believe the Lord is working in our hearts for us individually. I believe the Lord is working in our hearts corporately. And He's working in this church now in these days for us to expand, for us to enlarge, for us to see the potential of what He can do. Because I tell you, very soon, very soon, we are going to see the King. We're going to meet Him in the air. And all this stuff that we spent all our time thinking small and restriction, and I can't, and I'm not able, and let's just maintain, and let's use wisdom, and let's not do anything anything that might rock the boat. I, th I tell you, all that stuff will no longer matter. It's time for us to see the potential of what God can do in us individually, what God can do us in us corporately and through us as a church. And I'm telling you, the vision that God has for us is bigger than our vision that we have for us. That's why we pray and we call out loud and clear and strong, Lord, make us bigger inside. Help us to enlarge and we're going to strengthen. We're going to stretch out our tent pegs and we're going to lengthen our cords and God's going to do in us more than ever before. All right, one more place. Ready? Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 13. There was a guy over here who was the king named Joash, and then Elisha. Elisha was on his, his last leg. In fact, in verse 14, here it says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. So uh, Elisha's going out. He's about to die, old man there, and uh, he's about ready to leave this life. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot! And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Now, stop for a moment there. 
That might seem like odd language. What's the deal with all the symbolism? Uh, in two ways, that's, that was not weird, okay? Even though it doesn't register with us in, in how we do things. In their time, that was not uncommon to have some sort of symbolic gesture that says, uh, we're going to, uh, going to war, or there's going to be an attack, and so forth. And so the arrow shot towards a nation would basically uh, almost like motivate, rally, inform in a very visual way the nation, this is what's about to take place, okay? Uh, likewise, you'll, you'll find in the Old Testament that it wasn't uncommon, even in New Testament, for prophets to have some sort of visual uh, acting out or demonstration of their prophecy. You remember Agabus in the book of Acts, how he bound himself uh, with Paul's belt and, and, and then prophesied to him. Uh, it, sometimes in, in those days they would act out and they would do certain things and prophesy with it, this is, this is what's going to happen. That was going on there. So, jo uh, Joash, the king here, was not puzzled by this. He knew this is the prophet and this is the word of the Lord for our deliverance in this battle with Syria. Okay, let's continue. Verse, verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck it. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now again, we might read that and think, oh, I'm not getting that. Why was he upset with him? Obviously, he knew what he was doing. Obviously, he knew because of what with the arrow. All this had to do with their battle with Syria and them overcoming there. And when the prophet says, strike the ground, he was given it a half effort. I wish I had a video of this. But what I imagine, based on the prophet's response and his irritation with this king's uh, little piddly three times hitting the ground, I imagine it was somewhat ho-hum. Take the arrows and just kind of doing what the, what the Lord said to do. There's not much enthusiasm. There's not much faith there. Because how many know, well, if he didn't know, if, if he's just oblivious to this, why would you be upset with him? But there was something that existed in Joash's heart that grieved the prophet, grieved the heart of God, and literally kept Israel from finalizing this battle with Syria. And they had limited victory. I wonder how many times there are things before us, and we take our arrows, and... And it's just kind of a wimpy effort. It lacks commitment. It lacks dedication. It lacks conviction. It lacks the faith to see this battle once and done forever and finally finished in our lives. And we struggle and struggle and battle the same thing over and over and over again. Because when we do, and when we hear the word of the Lord, it's, yeah, I'll do what the Lord tells me to do. And we do the bare minimum. 
And we treat all that God has said to us and wants to, and it's just kind of, well, whatever. I mean, how many people treat the things of God uh, too nonchalantly? It's just, you know, I mean, we get to church when we can, and, and, and why? Well, I just, I know I'm supposed to, and, and uh, you know, so we sneak in there every, you know, every couple weeks and get in there, and we feel a little bit better about our lives, and, and it's a constant struggle. And a constant battle. And your life never looks like it really is supposed to look. God's vision for your life is so much bigger and so much greater. And he wants to work, a once, uh, he wants to work in you so that the enemies of your life are completely wiped out and defeated. But every time he gives us a word, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get to that one of these days. And, and I'm going to start thinking about that and working on that. And, and here we go. And bump, bump, bump. Just give our little tiny effort. When there needs to be a different heart, a bigger heart, a bigger vision, we need to act in faith. And when the Lord gives us something that is of Him, our life is just small here, just a vapor on planet earth. When He gives us something of Him, we say, oh yeah, here we go. And you're gonna, I'm going to strike the ground until he tells me to stop. Until he says, okay, you're good. That's sufficient. But we take it with a, 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 a seriousness that gives it the weight and the honor and the respect for this is a God thing. I mean, how many are going through the motions and doing the same things over and over and over again because tap, tap, tap. Well, I did, what I, was, I did what was required of me. You know, that's like saying prayer is prayer. Meaning it's all the same. How many know that the scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? That means it makes tremendous power available. How many know that's the effective fervent prayer is different than, well, I prayed. Well, you know, let's just say a little prayer. No little schmittle prayer. Let's not pray little prayers. I don't believe in little prayer. I believe in short prayers when it comes to eating. And thank you for this food. Uh, not all prayers are long. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no little prayer. Just pray a little prayer. No, everything is heavy. It's weighty. It's important. And if it's a word from God, then let's do it. Well, I just want to do whatever I need to do. Just kind of barely get through, barely get along. Just uh, whatever the bare minimum is. No. The prophet was angry. He said, you could have had this battle won once and for all. It could have been forever settled. But now, you'll go out and win three battles and then it'll be, it'll be with you from then on. Amen. Again, it's like the idea, have you ever had something where you win, you have victory, and then it comes back at you again. It comes back at you again. Comes back at you again. How about we deal with it in a different way? Everybody okay today? I, t I tell you, the Lord's, the Lord's plan for us, the Lord's vision for us is bigger. I don't want to have a minimum effort. A whole hum response to the, thing, to the things of God. And I, th I believe if, if we will take... Um, a step in this direction as a church 
what are the possibilities? I tell you, we can shake the valley. The kingdom of darkness is in trouble. And I know some, uh, you, listen, I, I get it. Uh, people aren't, aren't all there. Some saying, I'm not, I don't really want to do anything different than the way I'm always doing it. That's why you can go to Jesus Light Church. They're around. They won't take up more than a, you know, 50 minutes, maybe an hour of your time once a week, and that's it. Go Jesus Light. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. I'm just unsatisfied with that. I am. I believe God has more for us. If you're looking for, if you came to church today looking for something to irritate you, now you have it. You wanted to go and have an excuse not to ever go back. I've given you that. They just demand too much of us. <laughs> no, we don't. But I'm asking you, what does the Lord want from you? How does He want you to approach Him? When you hear from, from God and you, how do you pray? What does that look like? How do you worship? What, is that, what does that look like? Is it tap, tap, tap? Or is it, I'm going to pound the ground until this thing is done, until I experience God? Hmm? I mean, what's the attitude? What's the attitude by with which you give? You know, oh, I have to do this. And there I go again, paying my tithe. Knock, knock off paying your tithe. Become a giver. Amen. There's something better. Hallelujah. Lord, enlarge our heart. Enlarge us. Enlarge us. Enlarge us. Enlarge us corporately. May we together see more. I believe one day we'll be in heaven and wishing we would have opened up. Opened up in this life. And as we go, I've got more to share along these lines. And I'm going to talk about opening up inside. Opening up to, to be able to contain and, and, and receive the fullness of what God has. But some of this you can see right here. It is our faith revealed in our enthusiasm. Faith revealed in our action. Say, well, it's not just about what you do. It's about what you do based on what you believe. And when it comes from a place of, this is the word of the Lord. And he said, bang the ground with the arrows. Here we go. By the time I'm done, the ground is going to be split. Why? Because this is God and I am not going to settle for half. I am not going to be content with just a small, minimum, barely touch the, you know, skim the surface of what God has for me. I'm going for all of it. That's the life the Lord intended. That's the life He wants for us. Amen. Amen.